You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, I just got done watching the LA Rams lose to the San Francisco 49ers, so that'll about wrap it up, folks. The Green Bay Packers are the number one seed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the number two seed at 13-4. and four. The L.A. Rams are the three seed, so those are the two teams we cannot play uh, when it is our time to play. Dallas is the four seed, Arizona is the five, San Francisco made it as the six, and Philadelphia is the seven. That means we will see the Philadelphia Eagles take on uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. Family again upstairs playing Chase the Bowling Ball. It's a family tradition. We like it. Um, The Eagles, they did lose to the Dallas Cowboys. From what I understand, they were not... um, they didn't have a lot of their starters going. I don't really understand the backstory. I don't really care enough to look it up. But if we throw that game out because they didn't have their starters playing, they were on a four-game winning streak. And to be completely honest, out uh, since week eight, they were seven and two. Again, not including that week eighteen loss. Seven and two is what the Eagles are. So um, it's not a guarantee whatsoever that Tampa Bay is going to walk all over the Eagles. The Eagles' defense um, has been incredible basically in that same span again not including that last game where they gave up 51 but um 6 27 13 29 13 18 17 10 and 16 is all they've given up they've also in that span scored 44 30 40 33 34 and 20 uh, well yeah that's about it so they've had some really big games so do i expect them to beat tampa no But I think most people are going to assume Tampa's going to walk all over them, not really realizing Philadelphia has been playing some great football. And Tampa, even though it's still Tom, and Tom's going to find a way to win because that's all Tom does. Tom just wins. Um, That team is struggling. They're going through some stuff. They're going through some injuries and everything else. And those guys are not coming back. Obviously, A.B., who is their best receiver, um, not coming back. So I, I, I hope it's at least somewhat of a good game. Um, again, you're looking at the 9-8 and eight Eagles against the 13-4 and four reigning Super Bowl champions, and most people don't think that there's much of a game there, but um, I like to think that there will be. The 49ers are going to go to L.A. and play the Rams, which obviously that's a big deal because the 49ers just beat the Rams, and they did it in L.A., so it's going to be back-to-back games. Um, and the 49ers have also been playing some pretty good football. Since week 10, they are 3, 4, 5, 6, and 2, or 7 and 2, actually, because they just won tonight. So they're also 7 and 2. So that is a, um, that's a game where I don't know who you pick as a favorite, especially since it's not just that the 49ers won, because that could happen at any time. The 49ers have now beat them two out of two times this year. And the last time they played them, it was 10 to 31. 
So I would almost go so far as to say the, the 49ers are the most likely team that we're going to see in Lambeau Field. I hope it's the Eagles because that means we, first of all, get the Eagles and second of all, the Tampa Bay is done. But um, the 49ers at least seem to have the Rams number. It's not a guarantee, but um, I would almost bet the 49ers win. And again, I'm assuming Tampa wins, so that would have San Francisco coming. But the other game is going to be the Arizona Cardinals going to Dallas. And um, Arizona is just the absolute epitome of a team that is floundering right now. Um, they have they have lost uh, four of their last five games. At one point in the season, they were 7-0. and at, at the conclusion of Week 13, they were 10-2. and 10-2. and They are now 11-6. and they lost to the Rams. They lost to the Lions, not with their backups. They lost to the Colts. They beat Dallas, which is great, and then just got uh, taken to task by the Seattle Seahawks. The uh, what's their record again here? The uh, six and ten. Well, call them now seven and ten. Seattle Seahawks. So, if I had to guess, Tampa beats Philly. San Francisco beats L.A. Dallas beats Arizona. San Francisco would come to Green Bay. Dallas would go to Tampa, which is one of those perfect games because I don't want to play either of those teams. I don't want to see either of those teams, and I love to watch one of those teams lose. So you get to watch one of those teams lose. Unfortunately, one of them also has to come to Green Bay. I know I'm sounding scared. I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm a little gun shy, man. We've been here a few times, and it doesn't usually end well. So I'm a little, you know, you know how it goes. So as it stands, if Philadelphia wins, they come here. If not, then it's on San Francisco. If they lose, it's Arizona. If Arizona loses, then it's Dallas. Those are the scenarios. Dude, hold on. Bob Saget died. How did... What? (sighs) Okay, Okay, anyways, that's horrible. Anyways, you guys obviously know the outcome of this game. Um, Somebody had asked me this question, and I... Kind of just brushed it off because it was kind of ridiculous. I guess the, the thing that kind of threw me was that this game is the the late game, uh, Raiders-Chargers. I, I'm assuming they're going to play and the player that wins gets in. But, um, you know, there is a part of me that wonders. And, again, I know you guys already know the outcome, but I'm kind of hoping they uh, do some kind of a weird forfeit kneeling thing. I don't know how that would even work, but, uh, you know, th- there's no way. There's no way. It would just make for great news. And as a podcaster, you're always looking for just ridiculous things to happen because it's uh, it's entertaining. But that game will be coming up shortly. Anyways, the Green Bay Packers did ultimately lose to the Detroit Lions. Um, I've had a good amount of time to digest it, and I still don't really know what to think about it. I mean, look, Matt LaFleur is angry, and I, I think it makes perfect sense. A lot of Packer fans are like, look, don't, there's nothing to be angry about. It's a stupid game. Nobody cares. Matt LaFleur cares. The Green Bay Packers care. The, the fact of the matter is, the whole reason they play... I mean, if, if it was a stupid game and it didn't matter, then they should have... I mean, they should have just forfeited the game. Why even risk back, putting in your backups? And if that's ridiculous, fine. Why did Aaron Rodgers play? Well, we just don't want him to be rusty. No, that's not the whole, that's not the whole thing. It's not. I'm sorry. The, the, the biggest thing is that this is about mentality. It's about continuing your dominance. It's about smashing the Detroit Lions. It's about it's about feeling good going into the playoff. And the fact of the matter is the starters didn't even do that well. They were losing at halftime. They were losing to the Lions. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Rashawn and Preston and Kenny and David Bakhtiari for most of it. And I mean, we, we got half our offensive line back and we were losing. 
and then we lost. So I'm not going to make a bigger deal about it than it needs to be, but it's not nothing. We risked injury to every starter on this team because we wanted to make a statement, not just to the rest of the NFL, but to themselves. And they're going into the bye week being laughed at, and they're being scolded by Matt LaFleur and watching their coach just be angry about the lack of energy and effort, because it was. Lack of discipline. And and the, the other big thing that's kind of the elephant in the room, and you can say it's a different situation if you want, but the, t- the problem with this team is there are times where they just decide, nah. And I'm not saying there was anybody necessarily that you watched and it, was, it, it wasn't it was that bad. There wasn't anything I watched where I was like, dude, these guys just suck. It just really wasn't. But like Aaron Rodgers said, it seemed like there was a little less energy than than usual than we've been doing the last five weeks. And that's kind of what it was. It was, it was, it was fine. And for pretty much every big mistake, you can make an excuse for it. Like, what they, they scored, what, two touchdowns on trick plays? Like, well, okay, I mean, you know, whatever. You didn't expect that. Even the Jordan Love interception, well, it's not his fault. Amari, you know, can't catch and bounced out of his hand and somebody caught it. You know, that stuff happens. It, it's this, it's that. It was just one missed tackle by Henry Black that caused him to bounce it outside and continue for another 20 yards down the field. It's just one little thing. I mean, what, are you going to throw a fit about one missed tackle? One bad block? One? That's the whole point, though. There's so much to a good football team just being a disciplined team. That's a big part of the reason the Patriots were so dominant. They just didn't make mistakes. They didn't have a lot of penalties, and they just didn't do wrong things. The, the, the receivers ran the exact right routes at the exact right time, and Tom Brady knew exactly where to go and when to go with the ball. When they were running the ball, the offensive line knew exactly what to do, exactly how to execute, and the running back knew exactly what was expected of them. And even mediocre players can look dominant if they can just execute to perfection. Nobody can be perfect, but the closer you can get 11 guys to being perfect and playing in perfect unison, if you can do that, and this is a big reason why I think the Detroit Lions are being so successful, they're just playing really fast, physical, and disciplined football. They don't have a good roster. But what they have is a lot of energy, and they play with a lot of passion, enthusiasm, and they just play correctly. And if the Packers go out and they just kind of do, you know, a mistake here, a mistake there, it adds up. Now, it was just one bad pass, and it was just a little bit off. Yeah, but now we're punting, so it makes a difference, right? Well, you know, the the center didn't block that guy real well, but that's a good defensive tackle. I mean, it happened. Right, it does happen. But if he makes the block, it's second and four, and now it's second and 11. And that changes everything, and that's problematic, right? So again, we can look at it and just be like, look, it's no big deal. They came out flat because it's the Lions. They're not going to do that in the playoffs. I hope not, but why, why would I believe that? They've done it every other year in the past. That's the point of all this. And this is the, the biggest problem I had with playing half a game. The biggest problem I have with half a game is if you just sit the starters, you don't deal with this situation. If you sit the starters and you don't win, Matt LaFleur can throw a fit about the lack of execution by the second string guys, and everybody says, who cares? Devontae doesn't feel bad. The offensive line doesn't feel bad. Rodgers doesn't feel bad. Nobody feels bad. We played the starters, and the starters even lost to the Lions in the first half. Maybe if they played in the second half and came back and won, we could kind of celebrate it and be like, yeah, it's still them. They picked up the energy. They picked up the intensity. They ended up winning by 10, 15, whatever. But we didn't. We pulled them. So whatever was expected of the team by playing the starters, I don't think they got it. That's the problem. Aside from, again, they, they had to fully practice, they had to go through the preparation, they had to take the hits, they had to go through the mental reps and all that stuff, which keeps them a little bit sharp, even though, again, they still get a bye week. So, you know, if you're worried about them taking time off, they're taking time off either way. So, I don't know. 
Look, at the end of the day, the, the biggest and most important thing was health. And as far as I know, they're healthy. There's questions about MVS. I'm still not sure about Chandon. I saw him get walked off at one point. I don't know if he came back. I don't know what happened to Chandon. Nobody even asked about Chandon. Uh, David Bakhtiari left the game, but apparently he pulled himself, and I think that was something that the team was wanting him to do. Um, he has not been playing for a long time, and they don't want him to get overstressed and overstrained because I think you can. The there's a heightened risk of injury if um, if you're just completely gassed out on the field. Aside from just being unnecessary to, to run the guy into the ground, but I mean, hey, if you're if you're sucking wind, so what? Suck it up and go play. You need the reps, but I think that's the bigger concern is if you're not super. You know, if if your if your body's getting tired, you're not exactly doing things 100. percent And you're, I think that's when you start to run a little bit more risk of injury. So they said, just don't chant. If you're if you're sucking wind, just come out. It's not a big deal. Got to get him a little mo cardio. But whatever. At the end of the day, you just you just hope that they come out with the right energy and intensity for the upcoming games. Um, I don't think. Rodgers looked bad. I thought the offensive line was phenomenal. Maybe not the run blocking necessarily. It was kind of 50-50. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was horrific. Um, But watching Aaron Rodgers stand behind the line for what felt like 10 minutes was so refreshing. And again, I I, I mentioned it in the the podcast yesterday that they don't have very good pass rushers, and that's the case. But um, it also, I like to believe that it had something to do with our returning offensive linemen. Because although our, our previous offensive linemen have done a great job of not getting Aaron Rodgers killed, um, it hasn't really been that way since we've seen David Bakhtiari and some of our other guys where he's just been able to camp back there. And uh, we got to see it again, so that was nice. But before I get into all that stuff, why don't we just take a break here? We kind of covered general thoughts and the other teams and upcoming games, etc. But uh, before we dig into stats as well as some other things... Let's just get this here break out the way. As I've been saying, um, if you wouldn't mind heading over to check out Drew's GoFundMe, I have that uh, pinned to the top of my Twitter. You can also find it in the Facebook group and a few other places. If you're on Patreon, I posted it there. Thank you very much to everybody else that uh, jumped in. Edward with a $200 donation, Gary with another $100, and Sarah Lynn with $20. I really appreciate you guys. We are over the $3,000 mark. Again, it's going to be a long grind, but uh, I really appreciate everybody and all the support. You guys always go above and beyond uh, every time I've ever asked you for anything for me personally. And since I've been doing that for years and uh, don't really need anything right now, other than your just general love and support as always, I figured I would point that uh, generosity towards somebody else that needs something more than I do. So Drew uh, was diagnosed with epilepsy, and he's hoping to get a seizure service dog for himself, and I'm just hoping... Packer fans everywhere can rally around and help him to get the help that he needs. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Looking at the statistics, Aaron Rodgers on the day was 14 of 18, 138 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, if you're looking for somebody to blame for the lethargic nature of the game, it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. That's about as perfect of a game as you can get, 135.7 passer rating. Jordan Love was 10 of 17, uh, 134 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Um, Not all bad. I mean, 10 of 17 isn't horrific. 134 yards is fine. It's about what Rodgers had. 7.9 yards per attempt is a little bit more than what Rodgers had. Uh, He had a touchdown pass, which is half of what Rodgers had. Really, just the biggest difference, by the way, his longest was 62 yards, although it was kind of a short pass. He had some pretty big passes in there. Rodgers' longest was 29 on the day. But um, it was the two picks, and uh, one of them maybe wasn't his fault. The other one clearly was. Look, as far as my opinion on Jordan Love, as I said, I I believe Aaron Rodgers is coming back, so I think it's somewhat moot anyways. Uh, Mr. Negative has been grinding me into the ground, trying to get me to admit that I'm an idiot for um, supporting Jordan Love. I don't see a need to do that. Nothing has really changed as far as my opinion, but my hope that he's going to become a better quarterback is diminishing by the day. It just is. I mean, it's, it's not a determination. I don't know what he's going to be. Neither do you. Again, There is not a rational person on planet Earth that can tell me Justin Fields needs more time, but Jordan Love doesn't. We already know. But yet, there is a huge portion of people that would laugh at me if I said, I don't know if Jordan Love is going to be good or not, and would also laugh at me if I said Justin Fields is not any good. We don't know what Jordan Love is going to be. But um, I'm kind of to the point now where, listen, Jordan Love has to start putting on some better tape. There just has to be some kind of a, a thing that he needs to do to start instilling confidence, not in me, doesn't matter what I think, but um, if he's going to have a successful career in the NFL and, and you know, be even a, a quality backup, he's got to do better than this because what I've seen, I'm looking at it saying, I don't know for sure that Kurt Benkert couldn't do that or better. So again, I'm not, I'm not 
it's not a sweeping indictment of Jordan Love. I've kind of just, we've seen him a few times now, and every time we've seen him, it's you hope to see a little bit more confidence, a little bit better passes, um, and everything just kind of falls apart. And even that pass that, uh, you know, some of these passes you look at and go, well, what what was he supposed to do? Well, I don't know. You'd have to look at the whole field, but I can tell you when he goes to the sideline, he's getting an earful every time because he's putting the ball where it's not supposed to be. Right? If, if he throws to a guy and he's, he's covered up, you look at it and go, well, what should he have done? There was He wasn't open. Well, apparently he should have done something else because the quarterback coach, the offensive court, well, the, in the in the head coach and some other people are giving him an earful about something. And you can see Jordan Love kind of shaking his head like, yeah, 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 I know, I messed up. He's not, he's just not getting it, you know? So wish him the best. Hope he can figure it out. He's got he's to put some work in. He's got to get some confidence, and he's got to get a better understanding of what's expected of him. Um, but even on top of that, the fact that the accuracy isn't there. You know, even when things are right, even when you he, he makes the right reads and he finds the right guy, where's the ball going now? I mean, that's that's just another added thing that it's like you gotta you gotta do something right at this point. And there's just really nothing right now. So um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen with Jordan Love, but um, as I said, my my belief that he is the quarterback of the future is diminishing by the day. Jared Goff was 21 of 30, 238 yards, 7.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks, 115.7 passer rating. Only got put on his back once, which is a little bit disappointing, but again, we, no, I shouldn't say we pulled our starters. That's not really true. I saw Rashawn and Preston out there. I think they were mostly just critical situations, but um, they were out in the third and fourth quarter. Rushing, um, the primary rusher was A.J. Dillon. Obviously, Aaron Jones did not play in this game, but Dylan, 14 carries, 63 yards, 4.5-yard average. That's pretty on par for him. Nine yards was his long. I thought he had a real good day. A couple of those were just kind of no-gainers, but uh, he did a good job of finding the hole on a few of those. And as always, no matter what the yardage is, he pushes for two or three or four more. Uh, Patrick Taylor, I'm a big fan of. I've always been a big fan of. I like the way he runs. Um, I think he's real quick. He's very decisive. I think he hits the hole with a lot of speed, a lot of velocity. And as a result, he ends up having a decent amount of power. He doesn't have A.J. Dillon power, but he'll hit the guy and push him for one more yard. But uh, 11 carries, 53 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, 12 yards was his long. He also added a touchdown in the game, so kudos to Patrick Taylor. As for the receivers, Devontae, again, the number one targeted and the most receptions, seven targets, six receptions, 55 yards. Uh, No touchdowns, which is sad, but I'm pretty sure he would have had one if he played a full game. It's crazy the guy had seven targets, six receptions, 55 yards and a half. That's that's wild to me. After that, Alan Lazard, who continues to uh, have a real good day, six targets, or a real good, you know, season, good stretch. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but he's had a good couple games. What are they doing upstairs? I don't even understand. What is? What are you doing? My kids are like jumping off the roof into the living room somehow. I don't know how they're doing it. There must be a hole in my roof. Brand new roof, by the way. You ever have that thing where it's like you say a word and you're like, is that how I say the word? And then you start saying it a different way. Saying roof and I'm like, is it roof or roof? I feel like I say roof, but why have I been saying roof? I don't know what I say. Have you had it where people ask you what you say and you don't even know? Do you say roof or roof? Uh, Both, I think. I don't know. I'm really not sure. And I'll be honest, that's going to bother me for the rest of probably the week. The one I do know is Caribbean or Caribbean. That's obvious. It's Caribbean unless you're talking about pirates. Uh, Equinemius had five targets, only two receptions for 22 yards, though. After that, you had Josiah DeGuara, four targets, three receptions, 66 yards, uh, his longest being 62, but a touchdown in addition. He had his 
uh, biggest and best reception run after the catch of his career, so that was awesome to see. Patrick Taylor, two receptions for three yards. A.J. Dillon had one for four yards. Dominique Daphne had one for 26. Juwan Winfrey, three for 16. Amari had one for five. Mercedes, MVS, and Tyler Lancaster all had one target, zero receptions. Defensively, Chris Barnes led the team in tackles, um, followed by Jonathan Garvin. Just that right there should tell you something. It's a weird distribution of tackles. Uh, The lone sack was Dean Lowry. Uh, tackles for a loss. Dean had a, an additional tackle for a loss as well as Chris Barnes had one. No interceptions in the game. Not even a single pass deflection as far as PFF is concerned, at least in their initial overview of the game. I don't recall any. So that's not great. Amari Rogers, I actually thought, did a good job on special teams. Everybody wants him absolutely crucified. He's the guy that most people are mad at. I didn't. I wasn't that mad at him. Um, I know he took the ball out of the end zone, which made a lot of people mad. If that was his decision, that was definitely stupid. I don't know that it was, though. He's never really done that before. Maybe he just was feeling himself because he had a one good kick return or whatever and was like, I can do things. Uh, but he had a 24-yard average, and that was with the not super great one. But uh, that's not bad. Twenty I mean, Again, you're looking for about 25 yards. He was averaging 24 yards. He had 48 total on two kick returns. He also had a punt return for 23 yards. So I thought he had a pretty solid day. Um Obviously, the fumble was primarily his fault. The ball hit him in the hands. and But again, the ball was tipped, which is partly a good play by the defense, partly Jordan Love's fault. It did hit uh, Amari, but then it did also get punched out. So it's not as though it just hit his hands and bounced out. The defender did punch the ball out, and then it went up in the air, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I, I'm leaning toward Amari had a pretty good day. Everybody wants him cut for the team. I don't know. We're just not seeing eye to eye on that. I didn't think it was that bad. Even taken out of the end zone, the fact that he got to what, the 22 for him? That's a good run. Not a good decision, but it was a good run for him. Uh, Corey had one punt for 35 yards, which doesn't sound long, but again, punting stats are stupid because that was actually a pretty good punt. That was inside the 20-yard line. Mason Crosby, uh, if we had, we, we nearly had a per- perfect special teams day where returners were returning and tackling guys are tackling, and then Mason Crosby missed an extra point. So, So that's great. Oh boy, the game's going to start soon. Please just take knees. I'll I'll stay up and watch the game. I don't even care. I'll call in sick tomorrow so I can stay up and watch the game. Anyways, I want to take a quick gander here at uh, PFF's overview, give us a little insight into what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Uh, starting off with quarterback, it says uh, Jordan Love came in for Aaron Rodgers in the second half of action, and the 2020 first-round pick performed poorly. His passing grade is below a 60 on PFF's first review of the game. Love didn't produce a big-time throw and tossed a couple of turnover-worthy plays. Both of those turnover-worthy plays occurred on the five dropbacks Love spent under pressure. Looking at the running backs, there were few negative runs for A.J. Dillon or Patrick Taylor. Those two led Green Bay to plus .25 EPA per rush on running back carries and picked up positive EPA on 60% of their runs. Both of those are season-high metric for the Packers. So they were absolutely killing it on the ground. Devontae Adams was productive in the snaps he got in the first half with Rodgers as he teamed up for four first downs and generated 2.89 yards per route run. Alan Lazard, however, was the star of the half. He generated 4.41 yards per route run and caught two touchdowns. It was the first multi-touchdown game of Lazard's career. How about that nugget? I didn't even know that. Where have I been sleeping? wonder if I tweet that if I'm going to get like a million retweets because nobody figured that out yet. Either that or everyone's going to be like, dude, we already know. Everybody knows that. You're an idiot. I don't know. See how it goes. 
All eyes were on star left tackle David Bakhtiari as he took first snaps of the season due to injury. Considering that, he played fairly well. Bakhtiari didn't allow a pressure and lost just one of his 20 pass-blocking reps. Yash Nyman, Josh Myers, and Royce Newman all allowed a hit on the quarterback, while Dennis Kelly allowed a sack. Of that bunch, only Nyman allowed another pressure, a hurry. So everybody just allowed one pressure. Nyman allowed two. Bakhtiari allowed zero, but he lost one rep. Which is to say, somebody's got to win. Even if you don't get a pressure, somebody wins. And uh, so in order, you're going to have, as a pass rusher, the biggest number is going to be your wins. Then it's going to be your pressures, and then it'll be your sacks. It'll be smaller. So Bakhtiari only lost once in a head-to-head um, with any of the pass rushers. It's a good It's a good day. Defensive line, edge defender Rashawn Gary has been one of the most improved players in the NFL this season, and that growth continued to show against Detroit. He generated a team-leading four pressures and a 29.4% pass rush win rate. Again, that's not pressure percentage that I usually look at. It's pass rush win rate. So that's the thing that David Bakhtiari lost, even though he gave up no pressures, but still 30%, almost one in three times. He just beat the guy in front of him. Preston Smith was the only other Packer to generate multiple pressures. It was two hurries and a double-digit pass rush win rate of 17.6%. Looking at linebacker with Devondre Campbell, PFF's second-highest-graded off-ball linebacker entering Week 18, out with an elbow injury. It was all Chris Barnes and Oren Burks at the position for Green Bay. Barnes missed a couple of tackles but made up for it with four defensive stops. Both players graded in the subpar range below 70 on first review. Finally, at cornerback, Razul Douglas didn't allow a catch in coverage, but did have one open target allowed that was off target. So that's all they had to say about that. Uh, We'll obviously get more insights on that tomorrow. And of course, I got to read the insights here because we got history being made by Devontae Adams right at the top. Devontae Adams, 1,553 receiving yards, surpasses Jordy Nelson's 1,519 in 2014 for most receiving yards in a season in Packers history. Now, there is an extra game, but there's injuries. Da, 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 da. I, I prefer the per-game metric just because it, it balances that out either way. But regardless, it is the most, and the most is always going to be the most, and that's something to be uh, pretty excited about. My goodness. Just, I swear the kids are trying to they're trying to visit me through the floor. Aaron Rodgers surpassed Drew Brees for the most games with a 125-plus passer rating. Since 1950, he has 52 of them now. (laughs) I swear. I think my son's playing football with my wife upstairs. He'll do that for hours. Basically just throw the ball and he dives and tries to catch it. But you you have to throw a bad pass or he gets mad at you. If you throw a good pass, it's too easy and he gets upset with you. Alan Lazard's score in the second quarter was his eighth receiving touchdown this season. He had six touchdowns in his first three seasons. I did not know that. What is what am what am I missing? Why do I feel like Alan Lazard was way better in the past? He's never had two touchdowns. He's never had more than uh, no whatever. Aaron Rodgers has tied Hall of Famer Brett Favre for the most games with two plus passing touchdowns among Packers quarterbacks since 1950 at 141 passing touch or games with two touchdowns. Whatever. Shh. I'm trying to read a story here. Aaron Rodgers has 38 passing touchdowns and zero interceptions versus the NFC North uh, versus NFC North opponents since 2020. His last interception was week 17, uh, 2019 against Detroit. Devontae Adams has three plus receptions in 64 straight games, which is the fourth longest streak since 1950. The Packers are the first team in NFL history to have 13 plus wins in three straight seasons, finishing 13 and three in 2019 and 2020. 
Well, there you have it, folks. We did also get a little bit of uh, insight from Mr. Matt Schneidman. We have the Packers 2022 opponents. We kind of have some of this uh, information that's always out there, but there's some question marks. For example, um, I could tell you the schedule all the way out to 2027, but you've got some TBDs in there, and we've filled in those TBDs. So as far as we knew previously... At home, we had the Bears, Lions, Vikings, obviously, but also had the Cowboys, Giants, Patriots, and Jets. And then we had to add one AFC South team and one NFC West team. The AFC South team that we will be playing at home next year is the Titans. And then we've got the Rams as the NFC West team. So those are the teams we'll be playing at home away. We've got Buffalo Bills, and then we got Bears, Lions, Vikings. Also have the Dolphins, the Eagles, Washington, and then a to-be-determined NFC South team. That NFC South team, obviously, will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there you go. The Packers do get one extra uh, home game because it alternates the one extra game. This past year, we had away at Kansas City. This year, it's going to be at home against the Patriots. Matt Schneidman believes that this game is going to happen in London. Now, the Packers have said they're not giving up a home game to uh, go to London. That's not going to happen. He's, uh, I'm assuming, saying that he thinks it's going to be the Patriots game in London because we still have eight games. Now, I don't know why that would change their opinion. I don't know why Mark Murphy would be like, all right, fine, we got eight, that's fine. A home game is a home game. Um, if it's purely revenue, in other words, if if it's if that's the only reason they're allowed to say, I'm not doing it, I refuse, then maybe they'll be forced. I don't know exactly how that works, but I don't think they would voluntarily give up uh, a game at home to go to London. But we'll see. would be pretty wild if the Packers had a game in London. Also, how much are plane tickets to London? Could fly Iceland Air for six hundred and fifty bucks. I don't know how expensive the uh, the tickets are. Ooh, five ninety one Iceland Air. I don't know, man. It'd be pretty sweet. Got to get a hotel too, but would be pretty sweet. Uh, finally, we do have some closure on the NFL draft. So the first fifteen picks have officially been locked in. We'll get a little bit more closure uh, tomorrow, but. The order as it stands, the first half of the draft, Jacksonville Jaguars will get the number one overall pick. The Detroit Lions will get number two. The Houston Texans will get number three. Then it's the Jets, the Giants, the Panthers, the Giants again, because they have the Bears pick, Atlanta, Denver, then the Jets again, because they have Seattle's pick. Um, Then it's Washington, Minnesota, unfortunately, uh, Cleveland, Baltimore, and then Philadelphia, who has Miami's pick. Philadelphia, as of right now, has back-to-back picks, 15 and 16. That'll give them a little bit of uh, ability to trade up if they so choose. But we'll have to see how this all shakes out to find out if that is how it ends up. In fact, we may even have that answer right now. Uh, I don't know. This site doesn't know. And this is so funny. I'm watching the intro to this game, all this buildup. Again, it's not going to happen, but how awesome would it be if there's all this buildup, there's all this talk, and they just take a knee? (laughs) What would be even funnier is if they take a knee, take a knee, take a knee, and everybody, you know, the stadium is booing because everybody paid these tickets and everything. Oh, no, they're playing right now. Oh, it's already three. Oh, never mind. It would have been funny, but the funnier part would have been if if then at the end they uh, real quick went and Kicked a field goal to actually win the game. But again, that, was, that wasn't that was going to happen. They're not going to do that. Um, and Roger Goodell would have somebody sent to the gulag if they did something like that. 
But I'll tell you what, the team that loses is going to wish they had taken that knee. That's all I'm going to say. But anyways, a uh, pretty short episode. Is what it is, man. A lot of teams that are not in the playoffs are going to try to make a big deal about the Packers losing the Lions. It, it doesn't matter. If Aaron Rodgers stayed in, they would have come back and won that game. They didn't because keeping them healthy is obviously more important, and that's that's the biggest thing. And, and listen, positives, we're getting guys back. And David Bakhtiari came back, he looked good. Josh Myers came back, he looked good. If Jair comes back and looks good, I mean, it, it's again, it's going to come down to mentality. It's going to come down to wanting it. It's going to come down to playing hard. But um, it's still a good football team. It really is. And if we assume that they're going to bring that energy, um, they are the number one pick to win the Super Bowl for a reason. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.